I want you, if you have a Bible, you can open to Ephesians chapter 5. But I'm going to talk to you about the second part of plug into the power. And we're, we're claiming that the power source that we're to be plugged into, just like your iPhone has incredible uh, uh, potential, possibly any smartphone that you might have, uh, has incredible potential, possibilities, probably more possibilities that phone has than you even know. Uh, you know, I mean, usually we, we still, we're still kind of wrapped up on three or four functions. But um, it has no possibility and no power unless it's charged. You have to plug it in and then that keeps that potential rolling on that phone. Um, in a kind of a, a mediocre way of using that analogy, uh, but so true that you and I have to stay plugged into the power of the spirit in order for us to function at uh, best at optimum levels and at our, at our maximum level. So uh, I want to I bring this to you. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, and do not be drunk, drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Just real quick stop right there. Uh, speaking about wine, getting drunk. A lot of people use wine or alcohol to self-medicate um, their problems and to be able to overcome certain situations. They will drink too much and the Bible says that's dissipation. In other words, it's, it's, it's fleeting. It will not last for very long. And most of the time, if you have a drinking problem, um, it, you'll notice that uh, the next day there's so many more problems you had had you not just left it alone in the first place. So it just compounds. Well, the Bible's saying that. It may have a moment where it takes away the pain or the problem, but it's dissipation. It won't last. But then it says, but be filled. Everybody say, be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. So there's something called being filled with the Spirit. In church, there is another level of our Christian life and our walk with God. And that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That is the old way of saying Holy Spirit. Amen. I still say the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it, it, it says... Um, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we got to get rid of um, these extra feelings of condemnation or condemnation then brings shame and then brings uh, a sense of guilt. We've got to get rid of those things because that will keep us from constantly being filled up or plugged into the Holy Spirit because we'll never feel good enough. Now, you might say, I do, but I've seen so many Christians walk in condemnation, and they didn't even know it, where they just felt like, you know, I'm already doing this, I already did that, I'm a loser, I'm no good, and they stay away from the presence of God, they stay away from their Bible, they stay away from church, they stay away from other believers, because they, they have a sense of this guilt and shame or condemnation. Know you not, the Bible says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words... God already made up his mind about you the moment you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Your sin was forgiven. And though you still sin, we all sin, fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says in 1 John, that we, 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I confess my sin. I'm constantly being scrubbed. I'm constantly clean. So the Holy Spirit has a clean temple to be able to stay in. He makes his home in us. He makes his, he, he makes his home in us. He abides on the inside of us with the idea that he's never going to leave. He can't be kicked out. 
That's how the Holy Spirit thinks about you. So when the devil comes to tell you how you're not doing this right, you keep doing that wrong, you're just a jerk, you're an idiot, what kind of Christian do you call yourself? You remind him, I can confess my sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin, and the Holy Spirit will continue to live and abide in me. So to be filled with the Spirit of God, there's a lot to that, but one aspect of that is, is that we're consumed by God. I want to stay consumed with and by God. In other words, continue to be fanatical. I mean, I, I mean, sometimes fanatical Christians are hard to be around, to be honest with you, because they're always talking about the Lord all the time, 24-7, constantly got Christian music going, constantly witnessing to people. But they're the ones that are on fire. They're the ones that have a passion. They're the ones that haven't forgotten their first love. Somebody say amen to that. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit, if you go, I don't have time to get all this, but if you go through the, if you go through the book of Acts, you'll find that were, there wasn't a one-time experience in the upper room and that was it. They were constantly being filled. So God, we pour out, we need to be filled back up, right? And so they didn't walk in condemnation. They received that by faith. Lord, I am good enough evidently because you want me to be filled up. But they were fanatics, guys. They were always talking about the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere they went. They were winning people to Christ, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, on and on. Signs, wonders, and miracles because they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why is that important for us as believers in Christ to be filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit? You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is a problem solver. You want that in your life. How many of you are facing some sort of problem right now in your life? Hey, I got two hands, praise God. Amen. Maybe a demon-possessed boss. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Or a crazy wife or a lazy husband. I don't know what it is, but you're facing some sort of problem that's going on in your life. You need the Holy Spirit. The truth is, it doesn't matter how big or how small someone thinks your problem is because problems are relative. In other words, it may be small to you, but it's big to me. That's why when your kids, teenagers, are going through problems, don't make them feel like they're small, like they're no big deal. Oh, get over yourself, grow up. That, to them, remember when you were a kid, that was your biggest problem you ever faced, right? And so that you need to treat it so we always show love towards people, compassion towards other people when they're dealing with something. You certainly don't one-up them. In other words, you think that's a big problem, let me tell you mine. They didn't ask to hear yours. Come on, so say amen. Am I right about it? You don't want to do that because, again, it's just relative, and it makes them feel um, like you're putting them down. Also, we need to be uh, careful to not tell someone, yes, I know what you're going through, if you haven't actually went through it. Come on. And I know many times we do that. We say that. We put our hand on the shoulder. I know what you're going through because we don't. We, it's kind of like we want to console them a little bit, right? We want to console. But we need to tell the truth. I, I found out that when you're in a situation like that and you haven't went through it like they went through it, don't say that, number one. And I found out that most people don't even need you to open your mouth right then and there. They're not looking for some wisdom. I know you want to give it to them, but they just need somebody to be there that they know can be counted on, who will listen to them, who will cry with them, put your arms around them, pray with them. It's really that simple. I remember when a, a woman in our church here, uh, Anne-Marie Bouch, most of you probably don't remember, she goes back a little ways, and she was a great lady, and, and, uh, but I didn't know her family that well. She'd bring them periodically to the church, uh, and, and they're members of our church now, but, but they, at the time they weren't. And, um, 
And Anne Marie, unfortunately, was shot and killed by her boyfriend. And it was a terrible tragedy. And then the boyfriend turned the gun on himself. And so it was a murder-suicide. And, and we had never had anything like that happen in our church before. And even though she was new, you just can't... Anne Marie, everybody knew her at the time. I mean, she just knew everybody. She was just so kind and nice. And um, I remember that, that, that when I got the news, I actually heard it from a, a reporter who had showed up to our church and asked if I, if I had, that I had anything to say. And I said, say about what? And I didn't even know what happened. And so she was the first one to inform us. And we right away got a hold of the family and asked if we could come see them and went to their house. And you say, Pastor, what did you say? What kind of wisdom did you give them? I didn't have anything to say. I couldn't think of any wisdom. All I could do was just show up and knock on the door and say, hi, I'm Pastor Jeff Pruitt and uh, Pastor Ruben uh, Burgos. And we're here because we heard about Ann and we just want to tell you we love you. And is there anything we do? Come on in. And we came in. What did you talk about? We talked about them. We talked about their family. We talked about their memories. And, and they cried. And there were some awkward moments of silence. But you know what? It was only maybe awkward to me. But it wasn't awkward to them at all. And you have to remember that because it's not about you. It's about them. And so all we could do was offer our condolences and prayer and tell them that we'll be there for, get to know them. And guess what? We're very close to the family to this day as a result of that. So sometimes you need the wisdom of God, but sometimes the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that he wants to bring to you is just be there for somebody. Just be there. Other times he may give you something to say, and you know it's not something that I reason in my head that has to be the Lord and it can bring such peace to somebody. A good word in season can offer that. It's much more better, the Bible says, than of precious gold, a word in season. And it goes on and on where the Holy Spirit can come to you and give you incredible bits of wisdom that is higher than man's wisdom. Exodus 35, 31 says, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom. So when the Spirit of God fills you, wisdom comes, understanding comes, knowledge comes, and all manner of workmanship. How many people are saved? You're born again today. Let me see your hand. Then you've got the Spirit of God dwelling in you, which means you have wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all manner of workmanship, which means creativity. The Holy Spirit will offer creative ways to get out of trouble, to get out of financial dilemma, creative ways to open doors for you that no man can close, and it goes on and on and on. The problem is we're not staying plugged into the source. What I want to talk about today is how to keep your spirit right when all hell has come up against you. When your problem continues, it persists, and it won't go away. You can, you can be a little dazed and confused in your mind and still make it, but when your spirit is offended, when your spirit has been tried and it's not right or it's out of order, you will be miserable. It will rob the peace of God out of your lives. And that's not what God wants for you. It's certainly not what God wants for his people in general. He wants you to walk in peace. But when you're offended and you walk in offense every single day, it's like you're fighting. And let me tell you who you're fighting. You're not fighting the devil anymore. All he has to do is push the button of offense. And you start fighting yourself. Reliving things in your head over and over and over again of what this person did or that person said or, or whatever it may be. Your spirit is offended. It keeps you in a perpetual cycle that will keep you unplugged from the Holy Spirit but the moment you let the offense go and forgive and try to release the best you can because it's going to take a season to do that and you plug into him and say Lord it's all about you he'll give you that wisdom look a lot
lot of you are stuck right now at, at point A and can't get to point B because of offense or because you simply haven't plugged into his wisdom yet. Let him show you. Let him guide you. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. So when your spirit has been broken, when your spirit has been offended or it's out of order, everything in your life begins to dry up. But that's not the spirit of God. It might be where your spirit is, but the spirit of God is nothing like that. There's nothing about the spirit that is stagnant. You know, if you go to a pond, everything in it dies because it's stagnant. There's no life in the pond. But if it ever bubbles up from beneath the earth and there's a little bit of flow of water, life can pursue. Life can grow. If there's a river that flows into it or through it, life can come as a result of it. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is about life, and that life is in you. So you have a tributary, a flow, a river that flows from the throne of God right through the middle of your life, right through the middle of your being that causes life. And, stag and the stagnant parts of your life begin to what? Come alive. No more frustration of what could have been or should have been. But now everything's coming back to life. John 7, 38 says this, and he believes in me, Jesus said about himself, as the scriptures has said, out of his mouth, or rather out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had to go so he could send another who is a part of himself, he's the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that wouldn't just, Jesus just came one by one. He might talk to a multitude, that's about it. But the Holy Ghost goes to every single one who will call upon the name of Jesus. And where he goes, life goes with it. That's why you can't walk in condemnation today. I'm not good enough. You're already good enough. Otherwise, he wouldn't live inside of you. Well, maybe he doesn't live inside of me. Oh, no. If you woke up this morning and decided, you know what I'm, not do what I'm doing is not right, you didn't come up with that philosophy. That's the Holy Ghost on the inside of you teaching you how you should live and the way you should go. Come on. Let me make this statement. Without the Spirit of God, there is no power. We got to plug into him. He is the power. But without him, there is no power. Take him out of this church, there is no power. We have to be very careful. The Bible says last days, they will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. That means we come together, four points in a poem, get everybody together, the pastor, the pastor becomes the Holy Spirit. He's the one telling everybody how to live, answering everybody's problems, and, and he's just a human being. He can't touch you the way the Holy Ghost can. What he's supposed to do is introduce you to him, introduce you to his word, and say, you can live it 24-7 just like I live it 24-7. Come on, that's the way it ought to be. But instead, we have a form of godliness. We bring him in here. Come on, we put him on our shoulder. Burp them a little bit. Come on, somebody. Powder them behind. Change their diapies. Come on. Take their binkies out of their mustaches. Come on, somebody. Because they're grown men. Come on. Act like babies. Amen. We're supposed to grow up, but we can't grow up in the things of God if we, not, if we don't make the Holy Spirit our guide and our source. Amen, somebody. And we're not afraid. 
that there's signs and wonders and miracles and God does unusual things to touch and reach people. We're not afraid of that. But a form of godliness, we find it all over in America today, churches. I'm not against that, about against churches at all, but I just, I just know what church we're not. That's not us. And I'm going to tell you something, another thing about the grace message. I love grace. I love grace. Man, it's amazing. It's amazing grace. I mean, we all, we all need his grace in order to survive. I mean, grace covers a multitude of sin. It's amazing what his grace can do. But grace, the Bible says, is not so that we can have an occasion to sin. In other words, you don't think about how good God's grace is and how forgiving it is. So therefore, I can go live the way I want to live all day long and he'll just forgive me. God forbid. That's not how we're supposed to live our lives. I said it this morning, I'll say it this, uh, this service as well. I said this, grace is not the freedom to sin, but it's the freedom from sin. Did y'all catch that? Grace is not the freedom to sin, it gives me the freedom to stay away from sin. The power to say no to sin. Come on church. And then we, we got to be careful that we don't get on the other side of the pendulum where we understand that, but now then we walk a certain way in righteousness or holiness or we put certain things down in our own lives that we know are not of God that are of this world and then we expect every other believer to live just like us. What happens to us? We become self-righteous and we become what? Judgmental. God wants us to be balanced in this thing. Amen? He expects you to live a certain way, then you live it. Don't tell everybody else how they're supposed to live. You just live the way you're supposed to. Amen. If somebody asks, share with them. Praise God. But don't start a war with people because there's a war you can't win. And the truth of the matter is, they'll think that you, just like they think about the rest of the world, the, uh, the rest of the world thinks about the church, is that, that they're just a bunch of self-righteous hypocrites anyways. And, you know, they, they just, you know they're fanatics and they don't want to hear nothing else. That's kind of how they think. I saw a little post the other day, and it says uh, you could buy it, uh, a little, um, I think a seminar, and you could buy it, five ways to shut up any atheist. And I thought, my God, that's the reason why atheists hate our guts. We're telling them how we're going to shut them up. We're not, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. I want to dialogue with them so I can share with them who Jesus Christ is. I don't want to shut them down. Obviously, something's broken in their life. They need Christ. Come on. Are y'all getting something today? So you have to understand, there's a way to speak the truth without being judgmental. There's a way to speak the truth without sounding so religious that you, people, it goes right past their heads and they don't understand what you're saying. It says 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. If you speak the truth without love in your voice, well, I'm going to tell them the truth, but there's no love in your voice. The Bible says you're sounding brass, clanging cymbal. You know what that means? That means you're loud and annoying. What happens when you're loud and annoying? People are repelled from you. They don't want to hear what you got to say and they want to go the opposite direction. All right. So one of the attacks of the enemy against our spirit I want to talk about for just a minute is discouragement. And this hits God's people all the way across the board. Discouragement. It hits me. I know it hits you. Discouragement is designed to take the courage out of what's meant. What God actually meant to be for your life, the enemy takes the courage to fight for it. What actually he meant for you to have. You always remember that, discourage meant. Listen, it takes courage to keep your mouth shut when others are antagonizing you, are talking behind your back. Come on, somebody. Oh, I'm talking good now. 
persecuting you, saying all kinds of manner evil against you falsely. Amen. Amen. It takes great courage to keep your mouth shut and not say one word. Oh, my goodness. Some of y'all, when you hear one person say one little comment you don't like, you get so bent out of shape, you are on the phone or you are social media and stuff, you are putting stuff out there, letting everybody know they wrong, you right, and here's the reason why, and blah, 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 and you're fighting the good fight of faith. I guess you are. That's what you think you're doing. And you're out there fighting for yourself, and God's saying, why don't you let me have a turn? You've been doing this for years. It's never turned out right. Give me a shot. Look, guys. Hey, get free from people's opinions. You can say, well, I had a good week this week. Nobody talked about me. They were. They were. You just didn't hear about it. Amen. Get free of what people think about you. Don't fight. You don't feel like if you're always fighting, you're not in the spirit. If you're always fighting, you're not in the spirit. That's not what God wants. He said, I will fight your battles. And it takes great courage to shut your mouth. Now, some of y'all have had conversations with those people, but they never knew it. Come on, y'all. They fronted you off, upset you, ticked you off, but you didn't want to say nothing because you couldn't say nothing at the moment. But as soon as you took a shower, I don't know what it is about a shower, but you're in there by yourself, and you're in there starting thinking, oh, really, let me tell you something. I've got some news for you right now. Number one, I mean, you start going down the list, right? And you have a full-on conversation with them in anger. Proving your point, and they never heard one word. Come on. But I would rather have you do that and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want to have this attitude. I'm certainly not going to talk to them that way. I would rather have you do that and forgive them, learn to release them, and let it go. How do you respond to your critics? You want to know how you respond to your critics? You don't. You mean I just let them say what they want? There may be a time and season where God may allow you to say a couple things. But mostly, He'll probably just say, I got this. Let me deal with this. Because every time you open your mouth, come on, let's be honest. You put your foot right in it. So let me deal with this so I can give you the best case scenario out of the problem. Learn to keep your mouth quiet because there's certain people are just going to hate for no reason. You're not going to persuade them on your team. You're not going to make them understand the truth. That's what we all want. We want to persuade them. They want to hate. That's what they want to do. Let them hate. How many ever saw Rocky, I think Rocky won. Remember Rocky won? Remember, remember Rocky was working for the guy, you know, he was on the side, he was working for the loan shark guy, remember? And they had to get in the Cadillac every now and again, and he had his little pen and paper, you got to shake this guy down, shake that guy down. And the driver, remember, hated Rocky? And he just kept on going, Rocky, how about this? And he'd say some snide comment to Rocky, Rocky wanted to punch him, and then the guy, guys, knock it off. And every, like, that happened two or three times in the movie. And finally, Rocky you know, reaches around. He's going to knock him out, right? This guy's a big dude, too. And he's like, come on, come on. They want to fight, right? And Rocky's like, all I'm trying to do is business over here. And the, and the, and the Lone Shark said, come on, come over here, come on. This is a bit of wisdom. He said, Rocky, some people are just going to hate. And they're just going to hate for no reason. Let it go. I thought, that is wisdom right there. They just chose you to hate on. Who cares? And by the way, I found out when you're being chose to be hated on, the Bible says you're about to get promoted. The reason why everybody's hating on you. Oh, 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 here's another thing. You want to you wanna get so people don't talk about you no more negatively? You want to stop all that stuff because it hurts your little feelings? Let me tell you how to do it. Do nothing significant ever the rest of your life. Do nothing that makes you stand out ever. 
Never get a promotion and tell somebody about it. Never brag a little bit about what you're going on in your life. And you'll never have a hater. No one ever talk behind your back. If you're into that, fine. But I'm not into that. Come on. So just get, understand, I don't know why I'm preaching on this, but I'm preaching this today. I'm preaching this today. Get free of their opinions. And say, Lord, bless them and help me to forgive and move on. Jesus going to the cross is a great example. His critics were out, not to get him, out to kill him. And he could have gotten out of it with one thing he said, but the Bible said he opened not his mouth and went to the cross like a lamb to the slaughter. So how do you re-encourage yourself? Re-courage, re-courage. Jude 20 says this, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you build up your faith? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Praying the Spirit will keep you walking in love. And I'll I tell you, um, those that speak in tongues, go for it. That's the gift of the, that's the, gift of the being infilling of the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, every one of you have the Holy Spirit. And so you just pray. Start just praying. Take everything to the Spirit first before you deal with it in the natural. And then the love of God. I cannot tell you how many times I prayed angry about somebody, a situation, somebody. And I was angry about it. But when I took the time to pray, by the time I got out of that, maybe four or five minutes of praying, all of a sudden my heart turned towards them and not against them. And I said, maybe they're having a bad day. Whatever. I'm going to give them that. And I'm going to let it go. Come on, church. That's, that's the kind of spirit we need to be plugged into. That's the power source that helps us in everyday life. And church, we simply can't act like the rest of the world. We can't act like them. But we will without the spirit being our guide. The Bible says that he leads us and guides us upon our daily affairs in life. And Ephesians 4.20 says this, but you have not so learned Christ like the world, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conduct, the, the behavior you used to have before Jesus, the old man, the old person you were, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you will put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's a new woman and there's a new man that God's created inside of us unto righteous things and holy things. But that old person we used to be, that old behavior, they want to come back up. And the Bible says you're not to walk like that. You're not to talk like that. We don't, we don't get our cues from those people in the world. We can love them and we're in the world, but we're not of the world any longer. Now we're of the kingdom of God. And it's a new way for us to live, a new way. And there's what happens as a result of living in God's way? Righteousness, holiness. And that's attractive, by the way. People are attracted to that. You're not trying to be a do-gooder. You just are. It's just who you are. And people get attracted to that, 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 that um, what's the word? The, to that uh, being solid and that foundation that you have in life. They're attracted to that kind of strength that you carry. But I don't think it's, True holiness and righteousness if you're cussing somebody out at Walmart because they took the parking spot that you wanted. Come on. And they know you go to church, faith builders. Come on. Oh, Lord Jesus. They know you love God. And I mean, I don't, I don't, that, that's not the spirit of God. When you let those tensions mount like that, listen, you're going to heaven. You're, you're heaven bound still, but you're out of the spirit now. Now you're dealing with life the way the world deals with life. And that frustration can get the best of you. Some of y'all need a dose of the ghost 
when you're in traffic. Come on, somebody be honest with me. Be honest. I told this story before, but I'll tell it again for those of maybe that don't know the story. I will tell on myself just so you can get a clue that no matter who you are or who you think you are, we all fall short. We all sin. We all make mistakes, and we should be learning from those things. So we, had, we, we uh, actually lived closer to the Bloyd Janesville area. We pastored two churches, this one and that one, for 10 years. And I was in the, that weekend, we were at home, and um, it was Friday night, and a little bit of traffic. Bloyd's not like crazy, you know, Bloyd doesn't like crazy traffic, you know. Pra the Prairie Avenue might, might get backed up every now and again, you know, but that's about it. And, uh, but it was backed up for some reason. I think it was construction, something going on. And I, I wanted to get home, right? So it's Friday night, and I'm behind all this traffic, and I'm getting irritated, and I'm getting frustrated. I can't say that I was in the spirit. Um, so I'm getting anger, aggravated and the lady in front of me is taking a slow sweet time you know to me in traffic this is my philosophy stay in everybody's bumper stay in the bumper stay in the bumper stay in the bumper that puts pressure on everybody to keep moving right that's what you're supposed to be doing I don't like when they like the car in front of you you're on their bumper and they put two car lengths in front of them I don't like that to me come on because someone's going to zip around and get in front of you and, 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 and we can't have that amen alright so so push them push them push them push them push them so I'm on her bumper. She's doing the whole lag thing. And then she's, she's got, I, I want to get around her. If she just get over just a little bit to the left, I could actually zip around her with no problem. If you want to go slow, you can go slow. I don't want to go slow. So, so finally, finally she's just there and she keeps looking in the river mirror. So why don't we make eye contact? And guys, I did this. I did this. I looked at her and said, I'm by pointing like this. Finally, she's kind of, she sees me, she don't do anything for a second. Finally, she nudges over a little bit, boy, I, whoa, whoa. I jumped around, and I gave her the eyes. I went by, like that. I went by, got in front of her. How much faster did you get home? I think it was 2.5 seconds faster, but I got, I got there faster, hallelujah. So, I didn't think nothing about it, just my average day. So, anyways, uh, Sunday morning, I'm preaching, and um, I'm not thinking about nothing. Um, after service, I, I, I come down, like I'll come down to service today. And um, I came off the platform, and, and um, this couple came up and said, hey, Pastor, how you doing? They said, we brought a guest with us. We wanted you to meet him. I said, okay, that'd be great. So they bring this woman to me, and she looks at me, and I look at her, and, and um, they said, her name is such and such, and I go to reach her hand, she grabs my hand, and she looks at me like this, like this. I go, oh, she had to look like she knew me from somewhere. And I said, excuse me, do, do, have we met? She goes, oh, yes, we met. I said, when did we meet? She goes, remember Friday night, and there's a lot of traffic in Beloit over here, and she said, uh, you were behind me going, get out of the way. <laughs> to which I said, I got a twin brother, and he is a terrible, he's a bad Christian. I am, I'm always apologizing for him, and I'm so sorry for his behavior. And she, she started laughing. I said, I am, I, I'm so, ma'am, and I asked her to forgive me. And she said, no problem, I forgive you. You feel like an idiot. Your sin will catch up with you. That's why I say his grace is amazing. It is amazing grace. I still get to preach the gospel after acting like an idiot. Am I right about it? Come on. But how many knows I was in the spirit? I can tell you story. I can tell you I've been, most of my stories in the car. But I will tell you. I have been literally in the presence of God, welcomed him in my truck, and I mean, I love you. I'm tears rolling. You're the best things ever happened. Jesus, you're so great. And I can't hardly drive because the tears are rolling down. I'm in the presence of God. Somebody cut me off. <laughs> you jerk. I mean, come on. And then laugh and go, oh my God, I'm Jesus. Oh God, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. 
His spirit just left me. I'm so sorry. I mean, that's how fast. That's why it lets me know that this thing doesn't happen overnight. But I'm practicing it. I want to get better. I want to be in his presence more. And the more I'm plugged into him, the easier it gets. And when offense comes to me, I learn something. You have to take offense. It doesn't just come. You have to take the offense. And here's how you know you took the offense. The moment you decided you're going to fight them. The moment you decided I'm going to fight against it is the moment you took the bait and you were offended. And now then, now you're struggling. Don't struggle the rest of your life. Look, we all get offended and take the offense and take the bait every now and again. Learn to get away with it fast as you can. Father, help me. I need to get over this. I don't know how to get over this, but I'm going to do my best every day to release and forgive them. I can tell you that I've been very hurt by other people. Very hurt by people think you're not, the, you know, that you're the only one. We all have been hurt by other people. And, but I will tell you this, every single one of them, I love them. I pray for them when I think about them. I used to pray for them daily, but I pray for them when I think about them and I wish them well. I don't want any harm to come to them whatsoever. And I ask God to bless them. You know, Jesus said to even bless your enemies. Well, I tell the Lord, I said, they're not my enemy in the sense that I'm opposing them. They may still oppose me, but I bless them in the name of Jesus. Why? It frees my soul. I'm not going to be shackled to the past. I want to be free.